Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why are some paranormal experiences scary while some feel almost sacred? Should you do paranormal investigations if you have young children? Should you do paranormal investigations at all? Hello and welcome to the 665th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben and uh, those contradictory questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And uh, that is Paul over there on my right. And today we bring you an open line show with one of our most popular uh, guest co-hosts and that is Shane Searway. Hey, thanks for having me back in uh, my favorite studio and, and I'm excited to have a copy of your new book, um, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. Um, can't wait to read it. I'm Great. also excited that you have a copy. <laughs> yes. Uh, certainly we welcome your calls today. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or 401-766-1240 here in northern Rhode Island. And we will monitor Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for email. So let's let's plunge right in. Uh, before we preview the new book, maybe we should start with a very interesting Email here from Tammy in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, ben, let's take this step by step. Show. Sure. Already, so Tammy writes to us, I am a paranormal enthusiast, and although I do not actively participate in the field, I intend to uh, when my children are older. I decided to err on the side of caution as far as that goes. Uh, do you think that is wise? I've heard from multiple sources uh, that just having children at home can uh, welcome can welcome unwelcome attachments, so I've uh, been indulging from afar, learning as much as I can until I get into the field myself. Also, how can I best protect myself when I begin? All right. Well, Shane, what would I, mean, I, I would suggest, we, we would suggest, Ben and I, that people not do paranormal investigation. I mean, it's not, you know, some of these people strike me, with all due respect, as people who have maybe sat in the observation deck of an operating room and then just because they've seen it a few times assume they can do brain surgery. You know, the, just, the word that kind of made me concerned was enthusiast. Yes. That made me concerned. Yeah. Jane, what's say you? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it, it's so important, um, but a lot of people don't listen to us anyways, and they, they go, go, they go <laughs> yeah. after it. But That's a good it, point. It really does take a special person. So, um, you know, my message is uh, to, before you start doing that, keep listening to this show. You're going to learn a lot from um, the way we do things. And um, But we've seen plenty of uh, paranormal investigators who, who I help all the time that get into trouble. These are even some well-known paranormal investigators who get into trouble um, with attachments and they're being attacked and everything. So it's because they don't understand the mechanics of what allows that, that um, interaction or allows the attachment. So um, you, many people don't really fully understand it. Um, you know, I talk about it all the time, and uh, so it's, it's it's really important. And a lot of people think they're ready for to see and experience something paranormal, but when something actually is strong, um, and is it's it's a, a a big event, and they witness it, it blow it blows their mind, um, and and it can really um, just make the attachment a whole lot worse. You know, the, that'll invite an attachment. Um, so you, you really have to. Um, know so many things about so many different areas so you don't freak yourself out when when it was just something simply explained by by other things so um you know google us listen to every interview that we do and uh um be, but uh definitely for now i would uh i would 
be careful. I would I would uh, just hold off. Education in this is um, is key, and, and not a lot of people have the proper education. Yeah, and I mean, when we go into a case, if I can speak for the group, uh, we have, um, you know, we're nervous enough when we see children in the family that's involved in a case, never mind deliberately getting them involved in the paranormal is, is, is I, I mean, maybe, I should, now she's not suggesting that she's going to do that with her children, uh, but I have seen people who, there are those who actually advocate bringing your children with you to get them started. I mean, that is the most reckless and dangerous thing I can think of. Yeah, what the kid, what I find, the kids are going to see her interest in the paranormal. They, they, you know, it's not going to, she's not going to be able to hide that from them uh, where she's the enthusiast and everything. They're going to see her enthusiasm in the paranormal. That's going to draw their attention to the subject. They're going to start thinking about it, and that can, that, that in itself, that attention can attract a parasite. So we have to be real careful. Extremely. Uh, we have a caller, uh, Bill from Franklin, Massachusetts. It's uh, Bill. Welcome to the show. Hello. You're on ON 1240. Um, I got a I got an interview with the, with with a MUFON uh, uh, the other day by by telephone. Oh, the Mutual UFO Network. Yeah, yeah. G- a good group. Yeah, they they're, they're checking into my uh, my sighting. Uh huh. happened like six years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can can you fill us in on the background of that? What? Uh, what oh, the sighting. Yeah. yeah um, was right near my house, like, like three houses away. There's a there's a playground and there's a there's a there's a parking lot. And I was I was standing in the in, in the parking lot like uh, ten o'clock at night and trying to take some uh, fireworks photos about a mile away. Mm-hmm. And my and my camera kept the 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 uh, flash kept kept uh, flashing, which I think might have what what attracted it. And uh, Oh and, well, yeah. Flash might usually a digital camera. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know how to turn the flash off. It was a, a new camera. And, oh, okay. Well, that'll do that in the dark. But so, um, so, so, so what did you see? So the flash might have something to do with attracting it. I don't know. But it was. But I was. I, I was take, taking photos, and then like it was a quarter past ten, and I look above my head, and there's a there's a round saucer right over my head. Really. All all gray. Uh-huh. Totally silent. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, it, and as soon as I looked at it, it started moving in, into the clouds. Hmm. It happened all were you, very, were you, very quickly. Were you by yourself? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So how was uh, so Mufon? Uh, I remember one time. I don't know if it was you, Bill, or someone else had called in when uh, Mark D'Antonio, who is uh, a, a real genuine astronomer and uh, is the uh, Mufon's director of audio and video analysis for the whole country. Uh, was uh, was a guest and I, think uh, I, I did talk to a, a Mufon guy on on your show. Yeah. Oh, that was okay. Yeah, I remember he yeah. looked. You said you hadn't heard from Mufon, and he looked this, this right, right was, then and there. Looked up your number, the case number, and said yeah. what was going on. I thought that was pretty impressive. This guy was uh, his name is Eric Eric Hartwig. Oh, that rings a bell. We, we belong to Mufon. We, we don't belong to anything except Mufon, really. Ben and myself, and um, we because uh, we really respect them. He said they're, they're looking into past cases that, that weren't that weren't investigated properly. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, it's probably not difficult to find those. So, uh, what sort of timeline did he promise you for? Um, maybe they're not going to tell you whether he definitely saw anything. They'll record it and analyze it and maybe get some what, insights. What, what bothers me? I had a camera in my hand. I didn't take a picture. That's what bothers me. Tell me about it. I'm having a what appeared to be a Bigfoot sighting in September, and I. I I'm, uh, you know, Shane's laughing because he was there uh, at the other end of the property, and I'm pointing a um, uh, infrared camera through a cold truck window because I was expecting something from the other direction, and uh, I don't know. So I hear you. I hear you, but I might have got one shot at it because it happened so 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 quickly. But yeah. I was just in so amazement. 
Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's it. That, you don't expect these things. You know? The size of it was kind of no bigger than an automobile, probably. Was it? Mm-hmm. It's funny. This area, uh, northern Rhode Island, southeastern Massachusetts, is really a hot spot uh, for a lot of paranormal things, especially UFOs. Uh, I remember one time, maybe you saw this in the local papers, because you probably get the same papers we do, because your Franklin is right in our listening area. There, uh, I think we're going back to maybe the 90s, and people were standing on Social Street in Woonsocket. Now, Woonsocket is not a very big place, but it's big enough. It's considered a city. And uh, people were seeing strange lights up, flying up and down the road over their cars and things of this kind. So uh, it's uh, these sorts of things are uh, well known around here. Joe, Joe Ferrier was very... Very interested in my, in my studying. I was thinking Joe Ferrier, of course, a very, very dear friend of ours who had the afternoon talk show on this station for 50 years or more. Shane, I don't know if you ever met him. No. But uh, he, he uh, translated he saying, a few years ago. He was ago. saying one day he was going in, into the station, and he, and he looked up in the sky, and he, and he sees these, this... Uh, Something flying in the sky that no one even, no one else even noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you often see that too. But it's it's an interesting area. Well, very best of luck with that. Now let us know what uh, what the outcome may be, Bill. And thanks for okay. calling in. Okay. We just had that big um, UFO sighting in New Hampshire. I, I know I told you about it, but yes, I don't think we discussed it on on air. But um, that uh, oh no, tell us about yeah, this. pretty incredible. Um, I was first approached by a, a retired police officer who um, was walking his dog uh, between the hours of one. Feedback, 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. Um, in the morning, and he was thinking to himself, he's looking at his dog, and he's he, he's thinking he's thinking to himself, he's like, man, the the moon's awful bright tonight, you know. So he looked up, and it wasn't the moon. There was a gigantic. He kept saying, massive, massive, massive uh, disc shape, all you know, lit up white, the entire thing, no sound. Um, it was. It was moving back and forth a little bit, and it would stop. Um, he said it was just absolutely huge, humongous, and all of a sudden the light went out. He could still see the silhouette of it, um, and then he said sparkles dropped from the bottom of it, and it shot off um, at, at a high rate of speed. And I started getting reports from all kinds of other people in that town from that night, um, a, a company, a large company that employs a lot of people. They were out outside. Uh, many of those saw it. Um, uh, McDonald's employees saw it. Um, so we're talking multiple witnesses, it, it, you know, not to mention, you know, the retired police officer who have seen a lot of weird things. And he, he operates off of facts and, you know, he did, you know, doesn't jump to conclusions and stuff. And it freaked him out. He's having a hard time sleeping still. Um, and then... Um, Days later, I witnessed three discs up above a mountain or a hill um, on my way home, just one town over. Um, so, but yeah, the, um, I'm still looking into that, but I keep getting reports of that sighting in Jaffrey, uh, New Hampshire. Mm. Wow. That's uh, pretty amazing. Boy, I tell you, um, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever seen... And they actually call it a UFO, but uh, there have been plenty of possibilities. Well, the cool thing about this was just the next day, um, I witnessed, before I actually got the reports, I witnessed black military helicopter uh, flying over that town. Three, uh, two days after that, um, I saw two of them, and a few days after that, there were fighter jets that flew at a very low uh, um, altitude, I mean, very, very low you know, you could just hear them. It was rumbling, everything shaking, everything in town. Um, and they, they, uh, a couple towns over, shot off uh, countermeasure flares over, over over the town of Hancock. Um, 
And, you know, initially they said, you know, the, the, the reporters or whoever um, contacted the New Hampshire and Massachusetts Air Reserve. They both denied being in the area. Um, but then, you know, hours later, Massachusetts retracted that statement and said um, the Mass Air Reserve actually were they were doing, you know, exercises and, and they inadvertently shot the flares off. Um, so it could be a coincidence, but pretty uh Pretty interesting, anyways, to say the least. Yeah, really. Uh, but let's. Uh, I just want to finish up the thought here on Tammy's Tammy from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, her first, the first part of her her communication here. Uh, but getting back to children, I think if if you live in a home where this descends upon you, where you have paranormal things occurring, and you you it's not you didn't do anything to attract it, at least consciously or whatever, um, and the children are involved, well, that's something that just has to be dealt with. But to to bring children with you or to get involved in investigations at all, whether you have children or not, is really not a good idea. Yeah. You know, you did you you felt a calling to it. That's one thing. I kind of did too, but I had an academic background that that lent. Um, I, I like to think some um, credence to getting involved. Ben grew up with it, but uh, to just treat it as if it's if it's as if it's stamp collecting or bird watching you know some kind of hobby is a really really dumb thing to do in my opinion oh yeah definitely so it takes, I, I takes a special person with the right knowledge and there's not too many people out there with the proper knowledge that's why a lot of these these um you know these people on tv they get attacked all the time because they don't know what they're doing they yeah. simply don't so well, don't use yeah. them as a template at all don't I mean, do not what qualifies somebody to be a paranormal investigator that's very hard to to pin down there are people with degree you can actually get that not very not in very many places but you can get degrees in parapsychology things of this kind but um it, it's a matter of um, you know even then if you're not you don't have the right personality type or the, or the right the right uh, attitude or whatever or the right knowledge i mean that, that's you know i mean you read books but maybe they're by people who don't know any more than you do really and it's it's a real mess this field, and, and that's why a lot of people don't just don't take it seriously. So I'd say it's best to um, try to get the best information you can if you're interested. And as Ben said, enthusiasm. I, I would you know uh, I'd stay away from it except at arm's length. It should be more of a of a calling than anything else. Not like a oh I'm going to go watch some ghosts, like going bird watching or whale watching or something. Yeah. It's, it's you know it's it's there you're supposed to help and people. Tammy asks finally, uh, how can I best protect myself when I begin? Well, the best way to do it is not to begin. Oh, so you can protect there, yourself. There we go. And there's a second part uh, of Tammy's question. Okay, okay. And uh, she said, back to my original question, uh, you address multiple viewers' questions about dreams and if they're possibly other dimensions, experience, uh, other dimensional experiences slash memories. I think dimensional is the wrong word to use, but whatever. Uh, and you talk about uh, controlling your dreams, i.e. stopping a fall and flying instead. I have studied some dream theory, and I learned that uh, one part of the brain that is not active during REM is the frontal cortex, or the part of the brain that makes sense of our thoughts. Uh, hence, why dreams are so often full of fragments of memories from different parts of our lives and different uh, different times of our lives, etc., uh, if that is true, isn't it uh, very possible that those times are able that those times are you are able to control your dreams and or are aware of what is happening in them? You aren't dreaming at all, or rather, in a meditative state. Uh, I don't know how true that is, especially if you have if you have practice going meditative states uh, when you're conscious. I'm very curious about your thoughts on that. All right, uh, Ben. I mean, well, well, first of all, before, before this. 
the, I think the difference between controlling dreams, she refers to controlling dreams. I think what we refer to sometimes is lucid dreaming. It's, it's not really controlling what you dream about, but when you're in a dream, you realize that you're dreaming and you can control the environment to a certain extent, extent sometimes. I think that's, that distinction needs to be made. Ben? All right, well, I want to address a few things here first before I answer that question. And as any good student of philosophy knows, you must define your terms first. And I, I always, I always try to, try to poke people who use the word interdimensional mm. or other dimensions. I think that we need to understand that from a mathematical and physical standpoint that what we're living in now are multiple dimensions. Is we live in a four-dimensional world right now, and now f- most physicists theorize that we live in a five-dimensional or an eleven-dimensional world. So I think we shouldn't say interdimensional. I think inter interuniversal or, yeah, multi- multiversal, or multiversal or, yeah. or something. So rather than using the word dimension, we should just either use the word otherworldly or something like that. So let's just get that right out of the way. So multiversal experiences, and I don't, I don't think. I think I think basic brain chemistry. I don't think I don't think I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to word this here. When you go into rapid eye movement and sleep paralysis, right? I don't know if I would necessarily call that a meditative state. What what would you say about that? Well, a meditative state generally is is something you need training for to an extent, and you you simply calm the mind, you, you empty the tensions. It's really very simple, and every spirituality that I know of that's positive in the history of the world has used some kind of meditative meditation all right i use it for have used it for different purposes and uh, simply that it's simply totally calming the mind because you know in our minds all the time our brains they're constant chatter and thoughts going back and forth that's something you want to get rid of uh because when it's like when you're in a room in a party you know you can't hear what you're person next to you saying because there's so much chatter and, and stuff going on around and yelling and noise and everything else so um that's essentially it's essentially meditation is essentially getting rid of that then you can begin to maybe to build a spirituality shane I, well i i don't know the way i interpret it and maybe i'm wrong her her question was she was saying you know when you're in rem state and you're dreaming uh but when you're not in rem and you're experiencing um, you know, like a dream, like is uh, is it that you're in a meditative state, not actually REM, and you're in a meditative state experiencing certain things? Oh, I misread it then. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's how I interpreted it, so, oh, which is interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry, Tammy. <laughs> well, again, who knows? I mean, I don't know Tammy or her situation. I mean, you, there are all sorts of explanations why these can happen. It happens to uh, to me. I know. Uh, sometimes waking experiences, things of this kind, and the first thing comes to mind, you know, am I schizophrenic or something, you know, but uh, what is the nature of that? So it's best to sometimes just uh, be on your guard, kind of be quiet and, and keep in a, in a meditative or spiritual state, whatever, how, whatever you want to call it, and just um, as things come, you know, experience them as they happen to you, make your judgment, um, plan your course as things demand, and um, it's it's really a, it's a very basic spiritual exercise to even get ready for this. Mm. But as far as uh, dreams, I mean, yeah, they happen. They seem to be spontaneous. They may be nothing. They may be reflections of your day. Um, I very often notice that in, in my own case, I'll have dreams of things that that are related to things I've experienced, but but they're in very different ways, and I think that may be, among many other explanations, a way of experiencing the awareness with 
the different parallel realities where that did occur that way. Uh, I think that's the explanation for deja vu, you know, being somewhere in the middle of your day and feeling you've been there before, probably because you are there in some other state. That's one of many possibilities. I happen to believe that one. So um, there really are no answers to this. Uh, Just the the basic answer, I think everything in life is keep your feet on the ground, uh, keep your mind as quiet as possible, learn what you can, experience things as they come along, and just uh, try and have discernment and good judgment and try to avoid things that are false. <laughs> Easy to say, but hard to do. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I see what she was getting at with that, though, and I and, and I think um, I, I kind of agree with that's what happens, I mean, at least for myself, because, um, you know, when I'm in REM state, a deep sleep, then I'm dreaming about, you know, weird things, you know, things that don't make sense, you know. Um, but when I am in, in, like, in between and I am, like in a meditative state, I tend to be solving problems that I had. I couldn't figure out when I was awake, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing something totally different. So I think it is a different state, and I, it's more of a meditative state, I would I would say. So well, I like I'd say that. everyone's different, and everyone approaches it differently, but there are commonalities, obviously, because we're all yeah. humans. But, I like that question, uh, though. That was a good question. Yeah, exactly. There's actually another part to the question. Oh, okay. I, did, okay. I didn't realize that it went on to the next page, and I was like, oh, okay, so here, here <laughs> yeah. we go. So she said, oh, one more thing. Uh, have you ever uh, done an interview with An- Andrea Perone on your show? And we were talking about this before the show started. No, we have not, uh, but she will be on with us uh, what, February 5th. February 5th, Sunday, yes. February 5th. And uh, do you think the farm she grew up on is part of that flap area you refer to in the Rhode Island area? I believe she mentions it being a possibility in one or more of her interviews, along with seeing an entire other family dining in that house, uh, seeing her and looking alarmed. Well, I spent most of... Yesterday morning, texting with Andrea, uh, whom I have never met. Uh, we've been Facebook friends, but that doesn't mean you know anybody. She uh, actually, your older older brother and I, Ben, went over yesterday afternoon to see the farm. We only live about eight miles from it, and uh, of course, it's you know I think um, there were all kinds of problems with trespassers and stuff after the Conjuring movie came out. Andrea Perone being the author of the book on which the film The Conjuring was based, they were the first one. And uh, I was not involved in that case because I, I got – that was the last big case I believe the Warrens, Ed Lorraine Warren, were involved with before I got involved with them. And then we moved on from 72 up to about 78. So I wasn't involved in that. But uh, everybody I, – I knew about Annabelle. She's down there in their museum. I used to walk by her all the time when I was at their house. So – but I don't know. I'd like to get the uh, the story as, as Andrea can – probably the only one who can tell it in the way she's going to tell it, and so I'm looking forward to that show. But um, I'm not aware of any of these other things. I think we can work these questions into our interview with her on February 5th. Oh, well, I mean, no, th- thank you for the, the, the fuel there, Tammy. Yes, so do, we, shall we continue on to the next question? Should we shall. Okie doke. So Derek from Altoona, Pennsylvania, writes to us, uh, I have listened with interest to your amazing experiences in uh, the Pennsylvania Triangle case, uh, especially on your YouTube videos. Paul, how come you felt privileged to see Bigfoot and Shane did not? Uh, there's a, well, second, part. There's a yeah. second part of the question, but we'll start with that. Okay. Yeah, Derek might have missed, but I actually did say, at least I remember saying, I thought I uh, said I shared that that feeling of privilege with Paul. Um, it was absolutely, I mean, at first it, it was like 
confusion and kind of surreal, like, what am I looking at? This is not anything I've ever seen before, and the movements were so bizarre. And and um, but then, why don't you recap that for those who didn't hear it? Yeah, okay. So I was sitting in in the truck, and it was pouring rain. The truck was on idle, so that's probably why. It's September seventeenth of this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, or that that was when you, that's when you witnessed yours, right? My, I beg your pardon. This is in May, May twenty yeah. first of last yeah. of this past year. Yeah. So and I was you know playing with my equipment and whatever, and something caught my eye, and I looked up about a hundred, hundred fifty feet or so away, and through a thin tree line, I saw this uh, dark figure. Um, it moved in, in in between two trees, and and I I started getting my camera ready, and I I, put, I was putting the truck in the drive, and the thing took off, and I. You know, I floored the truck and I I got right up there. Um, but before do, you know, before I did that, I took note to how tall this thing was, um, just because I didn't know what I was looking at. My my point of view, um, uh, my vantage point, I couldn't really tell. So there was a sign that said "Keep out" or "No trespass" or whatever, and um, it was to the top of that sign. So I drove up, tried to cut it off. It was long gone. I backed back up, walk up to the tree, and this thing was easily a foot and a half to two foot taller than I am, and I'm mm-hmm. six foot tall. So. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, quite interesting. So, but that, once I realized, you know, I saw this thing move and the arms were like swinging over its head and it was just bizarre and it flushed three deer out of the woods and everything. And it was after all that, it was just, um, I felt very lucky, very, very privileged, um, to witness something. I won't say, you know, Bigfoot. I won't say, um, I just recall what I saw and I know what I saw and it was, uh, nothing I expected to see that day. Exactly. I, I was expecting lights above the trees and, you know, um, UFOs, uh, sightings and possibly maybe some military helicopter or whatever, but, um, I never expected to see that, even though, my, I was down um, in that area to waiting for the rain to let up so I could put trail cams in and maybe we could get something, mm-hmm. you know, an image of, of this thing that everyone else reported seeing. But it's just, it never does what you expect. It's almost, it's almost as if something, the universe knows what you expect and it doesn't happen that way. Because my experience was several months later when we were there again in uh, September, and again, the September 17th, actually the night of September 16th, very bright moonlit night, and I've, I've recounted my experience in several places, but uh, it, I believe it may have very well been uh, a Bigfoot or a Bigfoot-like creature. I saw it very clearly, and uh, we have to take a break um, at that point, and we'll be right back. So we're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. With guest co-host Shane Searway today on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Lou Mandeville here to tell you the only place to get your local high school and college scores, as well as the Pats, Bruins, Celtics, and Sox is on my morning sports reports. And they are right here on ON 1240 Monday through Friday on the Morning Fun Show. Okay, well, that was a quick break. Uh, we're back on ON1240 with Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Open line show today with our guest co-host, Shane Searway. And let me give you the numbers once again if you do want to call in. It's 800-449-1240, anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or anywhere locally in Northern Rhode Island, 401-766-1240. So we're just uh, answering a question uh, about feeling privileged during Bigfoot, what apparently are Bigfoot experiences. Um, I felt no shock whatsoever. I, I saw this, and because I, I, you know, I I always have a habit of calming myself and getting almost into a meditative state when I'm in the, in these places. It's a very peaceful, lovely evening field, very beautiful, full moon, 
And uh, I, I, I did not feel shocked. I felt immediately privileged. Again, that's the best word I can think of. And um, I, it really was almost a sacred experience. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, I don't know why I felt that way, but uh, people, when they come up to me now and say they had an experience like that and felt that way, I will no longer take it with a pillar of salt, maybe a grain of salt. But, but having been through it myself, I understand now. So it doesn't mean I'm a true believer, but you know, I, I, maybe I learned something. So there's a second part to this question, uh, which is, why are some paranormal events a privilege and some are scary? Good question. Shane? Um, well, none of them are scary for me. <laughs> so, um, more scary to you, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I never, I'm not, you can't have fear in this if, if you're going to do the research anyways, you just can't. But, um, you know, well, this was a, a privilege because this is um, something that's so rare and, and, um, and I never expected to see it. And I was still unsure if I, I mean, anything's possible, we know that. Um, but, to see it for myself and, and have that um, opportunity, that's that's the reason why I felt privileged with that. Um, you know, uh, why some people get scared, um, you know, things that they don't understand, things they don't they, they haven't seen before, things they weren't ex- uh, expecting to see. People react different ways, you know. I, I've always just been more curious, and, um, and uh, I have no fear of, of this field at all. So, um, well, Ben? And they, they, the second part of that, sec, that, the third part of that second question. Oh no, I'll, I'll answer the second part briefly. I, I oh no, agree more with Shane on I was, that. Yeah, I was going to agree with that as well. Okay, go ahead. No, no, because it also says Ben. What say you on that? Because oh. I, I wasn't there. <laughs> okay. So I. Well, no, so, you've had experiences. Well, I mean, I have, yeah, but I, I, I can't speak to the Bigfoot experience. But what I can speak to is, I guess, the, the fear of the unknown. Uh, something that challenges something that that uh, humans hold dear, which is control. We, we love to think that we have control over things, and, and the moment that we realize we don't, that is utterly terrifying. So the two biggest things that we're afraid of is boredom and understanding. Or, well or, yeah, well said. Yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just echo that, certainly. Um, and I learned the hard way in one or two parasite cases that you don't become afraid. You don't become annoyed uh, or anything else that is a negative uh, feeling because mm. they'll feed on it. That Absolutely. happened in that Bridgeport house in 74. So now, you know, you calm yourself. You go into these cases and you, you just no fear and uh, no emotion. Mm-hmm. Totally calm and, and that's that's how uh, how it goes. Okay. So moving on to the last question of our of our Facebook question. I would have brought more. I here. thought we'd, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's always we want to go over our book too. the question. The questions never end. Uh, so, uh, Tara or Tara uh, writes to us from Douglas, Massachusetts, and she says, "I loved your first YouTube video on the Connecticut case, Paul. How do you explain your hearing the galloping horse and feeling the wind, but not seeing it?" That's a good question. Um, I think that it depends on who is doing the perceiving. Some people might have seen it. Uh, that that's happened to me a lot over the course of all of these years is hearing something and not seeing it. And in the case of the 1971, the uh, Village of Voices case in Pomfret, a, bu- a whole bunch of us, six of us stood there. We all heard it. Nobody saw it. Uh, why? I don't know. Um, perhaps a sound that permeates the 
membranes of the, or physicists would say brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, of the parallel worlds more than a visual Im- image might. Other people see things and don't hear them. Uh, Shane, what do you say? No, I agree. And uh, that's that same case. Um, as soon as I got out of the car, um, Bill Hall had a photographer there. Yeah, in the Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, in Litchfield. Yeah, yeah. Triangle, yeah. And so I got out, and his photographer came out to help me with my equipment and everything. And he said that I, I said something about a railroad. And I don't remember saying it, um, but that happens a lot. I, yeah, kinda, I remember that, I opened yeah. my... You know, my mind, and sometimes I mutter things, and I don't recall saying them. But I said, apparently, I said something about a railroad, and they were just shocked because uh, I didn't have any knowledge of this case at all. I went in, you know, with no knowledge, and apparently Donna had seen and heard um, the, the lady of the house had seen and heard boxcars, or she'd seen out of her window boxcars going by her window, you know, um, and also heard uh, trains. So um, I had I had a similar experience myself, you know. Yeah, and there's no railroad, railroad near there. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, then so, um, you sometimes um, will have insights into this too. But I remember at Rendlesham Forest and other places, you know, in England and here, um, you have experiences, and and nobody hears it but you, or or nobody experiences it but you. Uh, what do you say about this question? Well, um, you know, I I always am wary of those of those things. You mm. know, it's 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 probably a good spiritual and, well, I mean, I guess mundane practice to sort of have a, have a healthy skepticism because, you know, your mind makes things up. And uh, it's really – you have to choose between what seems made up and what seems to be true. It's it's sort of, sort of the double-edged sword of this of this field is you you have a hard time telling between truth and lies or what's really going on and what isn't really going on. And I think it takes a great deal of concentration and, well, practice to be able to discern well enough. I'm not perfect, nowhere near. I don't even like talking about it because... No, I don't think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I think think that it's it's very... um, I think that that it's, it's smart to be... to not trust phantoms as some of the old ancient ancient books of like spiritual practices to say do don't trust your mind and don't trust phantoms quote unquote mm, because very it's very it's very easy to be tricked uh i.e look at psychic mediums today who are like oh your great aunt sally is here to tell you she's making cake in the afterlife like <laughs> like you know <laughs> i've uh, actually heard that kind of thing. yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> and you know it's never it's, gonna eat the cake no I, I wish but you know it's it's taking that time to really think about what's going on and seeing what's truly there, which is the hard part, and that's why it's not for everybody. Right. Because you have to you have to really pay attention to your surroundings and block out everything else. Yeah, uh, that's good advice. That's why when I I do cases and stuff, and people will will call me and say, you know, I need your help, and like, do you want to know what's happening? No, you know, I, I really because I I have to be there. I have to. There's so many things that I, I pay attention to and. Um, you know, I'll ask them a couple questions just to see if, if I think that they're actually experiencing something. Um, but I don't need a background. I don't need their ideas of what they think is going on and what, what it started at all because I have my own process and, and, um, I don't go off of, um, yeah, other advice of, or, or opinions of other researchers or the people experiencing it. Um, the, the only opinions I would trust is, you, you know, you, you guys, but, um, 
but everyone else, I just in one ear out the other. I have my own process, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, to transition then into a shameless self promotion of our book, and also to explain the notion of dimensions. Uh, here, uh, where are we? Where's our monitor there? Uh, you can see that the book, uh, by way of explaining dimensions, uh, has length, width, volume or depth, and also duration. Einstein said time is the fourth dimension because without duration, if it has no duration, it can't exist, nor can it exist without height, depth, and breadth. Uh, so, uh, width, I should say. So there we are. Uh, th- that, those are dimensions. Parallel realities are, parallel worlds are different concepts in quantum physics than dimensions are uh, within the worlds where there would be many uh, dimensions as well, uh, possibly. Uh, so anyway, so let's talk a little bit about our, our new book. It's called Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong by Paul Eno and Ben Eno. Uh, Stanton Friedman, the, the grandfather of ufology, who's become a good friend, wrote the foreword for this. And uh, just to, uh, there are 14 different chapters. Uh, we wrote an introduction ourselves as well. Uh, the 14 chapters have to do with the paranormal in human history. And uh, these chapters, by the way, uh, and the sections in them are based on radio scripts that we did uh, here at ON 1240 and on CBS radio for four and a half years when we were there. And uh, there are shows in which we did not have guests and we just sort of yapped on about our own experiences and, and these other uh, particular things we had researched firsthand. Uh, within the uh, chapter on human history, uh, there is the we start at the very beginning with the weird uh, connections of the word Elohim. A um, feminine word with a, I sometimes mix this up, but it's a feminine word with a, in Hebrew with a masculine plural ending. There's no other word like it in any Semitic language, and it is the first word used in the Bible for God. Uh, we get into other documents as well that were contemporary with the book of Genesis, uh, documents of the Sumerians and other groups at the time. Then we get into different ways that the paranormal influenced human history one way or the other, from New England and American history, Canadian history. Uh, various other things, angels and this sort of thing, uh, Abraham Lincoln and his paranormal experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Chapter 2 has to do with science and the paranormal. How do we know anything? And we kind of try and plant our feet on the ground uh, at that point and figure out how we know anything. Ben, any comments so far? Um, well, no, you're doing a great job. Proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> My co-author. Uh, chapter three is, is winter holidays, angels, and miracles. And there's a, lot, a variety of stuff in here. This is kind of a uh, maybe a variety show of the paranormal. Uh, that we, we start the year with, with Halloween, which in the ancient Celtic calendar, uh, November first was the, really the first day of the year. Uh, meteorologically, it's interesting too. Um, and so we have uh, have that, and Halloween being the festival sort of, of of death, but the end of the beginning of the season of death, and things kind of get better from there. Uh, various things about angels. Uh, we go into a little bit of the the Muslim uh, Quran because, believe it or not, uh, the Virgin Mary is talked about more in the Quran than she is in the Bible. Interesting little fact there. Uh, miracles, the nature of miracles. We talk about Hanukkah. Uh, we also talk about Ebenezer Scrooge, some of the paranormal wisdom that he might have to impart. Chapter 4 is ghosts, parasites, and poltergeists, uh, very basic paranormal subjects. Uh, the Amityville case um, we talk about, I was not directly involved in that, 
the Amityville, New York case, Amityville Horror, everybody knows about that. Uh, because the, but Ed and Lorraine Warren, Warren and Lorraine Warren wrote me letters during that period. Uh, I was in the seminary uh, at the other end of New York at the time. Uh, we have a thing about the Queen Mary, the ship, uh, the difference between demons or parasites, which we don't really think there is any. And then a parasites attack section of that chapter, which is about the Bridgeport poltergeist case of 1974, which uh, our good friend William J. Hall wrote an entire book about, uh, The World's Most Haunted House, that's available now. Uh, the, the next chapter, five, Paranormal Love and Beauty, uh, the wonderful story of the young boy Peter, whom I've mentioned on the air a number of times, a strange case in Maine, Ben and I did uh, some, some years ago, uh, talk about psychics and mediums, the experiences of children, uh, various... Um, uh, the Invisible Friend, uh, preventing a suicide in one case, we believed, uh, I believe that uh, that was the case uh, that was in, uh, right in our listening area in Uxbridge, Massachusetts. Chapter 6, uh, my first case, The Village of Voices, which I've mentioned already. Uh, chapter uh, 7 is on suicide, strangely enough, especially teen suicide. That was one of the most popular shows we ON did in our first year uh, here on ON 1240. Uh, we have Chapter 8, Strange Places. Uh, we go to Vermont, Utah, Phantom Islands, particularly in the Caribbean, England, and uh, in Russia in some of these really, really strange cases. The, the final section of that chapter has to do with the uh, Dyatlov Pass case of 1959. That was one of the most popular shows we did, uh, not, on this, not just on this show, but on others as well. Chapter 9 is The Paranormal and the Family, Kids and Cults. Things of that kind, what to do. Uh, chapter 10 is on evil. Uh, that was interesting because the, the entire uh, recording of that show simply disappeared. We were, if you look on our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where there are, well, there are almost 700 shows now, you can't find that one because it disappeared. So we wrote about it instead. Uh, why did God allow this, this kind of thing. Chapter 11 is possession and exorcism. Uh, talk about experiences I had in Haiti. Uh, with voodoo, um, people channeling things, uh, the different parasites, and all sorts of things about uh, that very, very strange and frightening subject. Uh, Chapter 12, uh, Paranormal Lives of the Saints. And for the local audience here, we go into uh, the first section is about uh, Marie Rose Farron, who is uh, from Woonsocket, Rhode Island here, and was uh, investigated as a possible candidate for sainthood. Uh, the church kind of quashed it for political reasons, but she's well-known in this area and has a global following. And there's some very interesting photographs that I obtained at her gravesite uh, some years ago. Uh, we talk about flying prophets. Uh, Joan of Arc, the St. Mary of Egypt, beautiful, beautiful story. And the final section of that chapter is, even a lawyer can be a saint. You have to read it to find out who that is. It's not John Dur- it's not uh, Dershowitz, I'll tell you. Uh, animals and the Paranormal, Chapter 13. Uh, some of our own experiences with animals in the paranormal realm, and the beautiful story of the phantom deer and a number of other things, including Wyatt the ghost-hunting dog. Uh, chapter 14, What is Heaven? A question everybody might think uh, is, is an interesting one. And we trace the entire history of the concept of heaven from the most ancient cultures, the Aborigines of Australia and the several others, uh, the dream time uh, through the uh, ancient world, ancient Middle East, uh, Jewish beliefs, Christian beliefs, everybody else, and then we try to <laughs> sort of sum up what it is. The epilogue is just written by me, and it's called The Good World. And it was very, very interesting when Ben and I went on Coast to Coast AM with George Nury in, tw- in 2011. 
And we wondered, you know, should we, should we really talk about this? Is everybody going to think we're nuts? So to decide whether we're nuts or not, you have to read that epilogue. <laughs> so anyway, the book, again, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. There's a little confusion because it was only supposed to be released in January by the publisher, Schiffer Books. And uh, suddenly we got the word they're going to release it this month instead. So it's two months early and we're scrambling for some kind of an event uh, that we can uh, sort of launch the book at, and there'll be lots of book signings in local bookstores because it should be in every bookstore in the country just about. So check that out. I'd say right after Thanksgiving, you're out there going, you know, going nuts on Black Friday. You're going to find it in the bookstores by then, I'm sure. Um, you can order it right now from Amazon.com. But uh, they have officially announced the release of the book, and uh, we'll let you know where we're going to have our launch us, uh, event, which will be here in northern Rhode Island. We are estimating at this point, uh, we'd said possibly a Barnes & Noble bookstore, but I think we're looking more at a library, a large library in, in the area. And just we'll let you know as soon as we can. Keep an eye on our website, our Facebook page. So we do have a question show. Uh, from Phil, who has met us multiple times at uh, different UFO functions yes. and such. And he has a question about the book title, or technically uh, the subtitle, Everything You Know is Wrong. How did we come up with that and what does it address? Well, actually, we didn't. It was a publisher's idea based on our show motto. Well, we right. wanted to call the book Cosmic Journey, and that's how it was announced for years. But, but we liked this title better when the publisher suggested it. Right. So Behind the Paranormal obviously ties in with the show. Everything you know is wrong. Uh, the, the notion of that is based on our way of knowing things, the epistemology that the modern mind uses. Epistemology is just a a term from philosophy, you know, how we know what we know. We believe that in science, things may be wrong or at least incomplete because we go by a uh, scientific method which is essentially based on the assumption that everything is material, everything is matter, based on the interactions with other matter. And you have energy in there, too, but it's essentially a materialist worldview. We don't think that's good enough. Uh, essentially, what we're saying is, is that our epistemology, how we know what we know, is based on assumptions uh, when it comes to the paranormal. We assume ghosts are spirits of the dead, or we assume that if you have a paranormal experience, you're nuts. We assume that UFOs are nuts and bolts craft from other planets. We don't know any such thing. We assume that when you have something negative going on in your house, it's a demon. I'm not saying everybody assumes this now, but I mean, this is the, the, the general classic interpretation. Shane, can you uh, amplify that at all? I mean, what... No, I'm right there with you. That, that's, it's well put. I mean, um, but th- that's the thing is, and that's how I always approach my work was I, you know, was always interested in this stuff, you know, since a very young age. And when I started doing the work, it, it, I said, I'm going to unlearn everything I think I know. I'm going to put a process to identify trends, and I'm going to um, research the work that way with an open mind. Um, and, and because we don't know anything, we, nobody's learned uh, or brought anything new in, in a hundred years. I mean, it's all been the same preconceived yeah. uh, way to do things, and it hasn't worked. It has not worked at all. And actually, I find mo- the, most of those preconceived ideas make things worse, and they're, they're horrible. Yeah. That's the conclusion I came to in the late 70s. I was totally f- f- flummoxed. Is it just didn't work. Ben, uh, you'd better hope that uh, everything you learned from me growing up is right. Otherwise, everything you know is wrong. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, if, if that's the case, then everything you taught me is wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we're, so we're, we're, we're right with everybody else, and we start at the beginning, and we do the best we can do. 
but but I think we have to we cannot use any assumptions. Right. And I think I don't think people out there should assume that we're right. Exactly. We could very you know so you just we're kind of all in this together, and uh, the good thing with the multiverse attitude and awareness is that you all all the neighbors are just as flummoxed as you are. <laughs> you know some of the some of the people we run into. So I guess that's the best way we can answer your question, Phil. And thank you thank you as always for uh, calling in or writing in. Okay, Shane, what's cooking with you? Well, um, I have um, this coming Thursday. Can I say this? Yeah, by all means. All right, so this coming Thursday I'll be on uh, Paranormal Zone TV with Noreen Balovich. Um, I think it's it, the show starts at 9 p.m. Yeah, I believe Noreen's great. It's, Eastern a, it's time. an Internet TV show. Yes, yeah. yes. So, And, you know, I asked her how long the show was. She says as long as we need. So um, it should be an interesting show. I, I like the way she runs Usually her show. Yeah. yeah, I love the way she runs her show. Uh, she lets people talk, so you, you'll get to hear yeah, me run my mouth guy. a lot. So <laughs> I have a lot to say. So yeah. um, th- that'll be a good time. Um, and then, um, I, well, later in 2017, I got a bunch of lectures booked. Um, I kind of held off on lectures this year, but uh, we do have um, another one. Well, April 29th, the, April the, the 29th. three of us uh, will be once again at the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, which is... Uh, town i happen to love very much okay so they they change the location um in the date but are the speakers is the speaker list still the same because i haven't I haven't heard anything yet uh we were told that it's still you and ben and myself and a bunch of others and of course i believe Will, willie hassel and uh lynn nickerson are good friends uh uh and um many of the usual suspects from the new england paranormal scene will be there excellent yeah so we'll be telling you about that okay um all right very good so again, uh, the book Behind the Paranormal: Everything You Know Is Wrong. Uh, I'd start looking for it in bookstores in a few weeks, and uh, we'll be. Don't yeah, it's going to be released immediately after Thanksgiving, I believe. Well, the press releases go. Five thousand press releases went out from the publisher that it's that it's that it's, it's been released. But it take. But we, I was told by the publisher they've got them in the warehouse. They have to ship them out to the distributor, and so uh, just keep asking at the bookstore, uh, and we'll let you know where we're going to have our event. Right. So anyway, uh, Ben, let's. Um, Begin our announcements here. Already, so oh, well, we already talked about. The well, we, well, we kind of did. So, if, yeah. so if you want updates on that, you can check out our website behindtheparanormal.com, and you can also check out our Facebook page for details. That's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. You can search that on Facebook, and you can like us on there, and you can get all sorts of updates. And what's and going on with that. the YouTube channel? That is going on. There are things going on with that. <laughs> so we're we're trying to release videos once a week, although with our pressing schedules, it's sort of like once like. Every week and a half, but we're getting there. Um, our next video is going to be up very soon, uh, which is going to be talking about our our book, a couple of cases out of that that we we sort of picked out just to give you a little bit of an overview of some of the chapters. Yeah. Um, you can check out our YouTube channel that's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and you can subscribe to us on there to get updates on new videos and all of that stuff. And uh, we really the latest video that we released was on the Pennsylvania Triangle, which oh. you can find it by searching. Uh, for our Behind the Paranormal Case Files. You can go to our Facebook page. You can see a link to it there as well, and you can subscribe to it. Yes, and uh, people have said, uh, is this replacing the radio show? By no, no means. I mean, we're going to have the radio show and the YouTube channel. The YouTube it's, channel it's is augmenting. Extra. It's, it's augmenting, yes. yes. And uh, you don't know it yet, Shane. We're going to get you involved in some of that. Uh, meanwhile, find out more about the show, uh, this show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you will find nearly 700 free recorded shows from both ON1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. 
And uh, Shane, you've, uh, you didn't mention your website. Oh, yeah, trugos.com, T-R-U-E-G-H-O-S-T.com. My cell phone number is 603-913-4790. And if I might squeeze in, um, you've posted a picture of Ben and I on, on the Facebook page, and, and a Todd um, commented and said, Shane is cool, so I want to say hi to Todd. <laughs> oh, Todd, <laughs> and, yeah. Todd is obviously highly intelligent. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yes. But uh, no, hi, Todd. Very good and, taste in radio. Yes, yes. Okay. and all your other uh, listeners are, are intelligent as well. So. That's cool. Yeah, I think <laughs> they are. Um, okay, and you can find my uh, other books on Amazon.com, Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, Look, The Usual Suspects. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will sign them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. You cannot buy the new book at BehindTheParanormal.com forever. Uh, forever. Forever. Uh, I mean, uh, yet, or, or probably not at all because it's a different arrangement with a publisher. Uh, anyway, if you want to get autographed ones, you'll have to come to some of the events or buy one and send it to us, something like that. Indeed. Um, also on the websites, you'll find different uh, direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, HelpForHaiti.com, and Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles. Ben, what do we got next week? Oh, well, we still, we, we can talk about Tim Beckley's book. We got time. Okay. Uh, a couple of books that are of interest to uh, particularly local listeners here in New England. Uh, one is The Bell Witch Project. Of course, that happened in Tennessee. But it contains uh, some stories and a few other things by myself on uh, historic paranormal cases here in New England. Uh, I'm not the main author. just contributed a few things, and they slapped my and name on the And don't forget about uh, UFO Repeaters, which has an entire uh, chapter on our old friend Joe Ferrier. Who came up by uh, one of our callers today. That's oh, right, yes. Joe Ferrier. Uh, UFO repeaters. Those you have to get on Amazon.com, uh, Global Communications Publishing, and that's uh, Tim Beckley's publishing company doing some uh, some interesting stuff and keeping a lot of old books that would be out of print alive. Uh, Tim does a great service that way. Yes. So and next Sunday, November 13th, will be our our 666th show. So we couldn't resist the urge to do a show around the, the infamous number 666, and our guest will be Chicago educator uh, Joseph Latender, and uh, he is a seminary-educated expert on the subject of the book of revelation so we leave you this afternoon with a quote from person or persons unknown the positive thinker sees the invisible feels the intangible and uh, and achieves the impossible i was going to say archives the impossible That's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway i'm paul eno i'm ben eno and i'm shane Saraway. thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey and we'll see you next time Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.